Darmstadt on Air, number four. How to write it down. Lukas Fels in conversation with Ellen Fellowfield. Hello and thank you for joining Darmstadt on Air, the podcast of the Darmstadt Summer Course with conversations on music and experiment. My name is Silvia Freidang from the Darmstadt Summer Course team and I welcome you to the fourth episode. As you might know, we had to postpone our Academy and Music Festival from this year to the summer of 2021. And in the time between, we'd like to continue the discussions on music that Darmstadt is so connected with. So we've invited some of our Academy tutors and guest artists to get in dialogue with a person of their own choice and on a subject that is important to them. In this edition, we hear two cellists who focus on contemporary music. Lukas Fels, our Darmstadt cello tutor and member of the Aditi Quartet, met with Ellen Fellowfield in Basel in July 2020. Ellen is also a researcher and she created cellomap.com, which is an online resource for modern cello techniques. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello, here we are. Ellen, very nice you're here and we do this little talk about our instrument, And I hope we are not going to be too specialists and too sort of, I always compare it with medical conferences about, <laughs> about artificial knees or something. So <laughs> the specialists talk about little screws and which, which kind of metal we use. <laughs> Why do you think didn't this instrument develop anymore in the last 350 years? I don't know, which, which, compared to which instruments did develop so much. All the, all, the, all the other instruments did develop. I mean, we have two, two pianos here, we see flutes, clarinets, yeah. everything, perhaps some percussion instruments, but if you look at an orchestra, there's actually yeah. the only instruments which really didn't develop anymore string instruments, like yeah. violins, violas, cellos, double basses. They are more or less, I mean, we have a spike now and we have steel yeah. strings, but many of us, we play on old instruments. My cello is from 1720 or something, so yeah. it's now 300 years old. So it's like, it, there's no change anymore. And when you talk to flutists, even in the last years, there was lots of changes, you know. Yep, so microtonal, microtonal, microtonal things like, like oboes, yeah. like this is Chris Redgate's oboe, yeah. you have the Peterville right. techniques, all these mm -hmm. kind of things. So there's like, like lots of things. Cello, yeah. it just doesn't change. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I mean, maybe it has something to do with the ensemble setting that we have. Like, I feel like a lot of the changes on wind instruments were to help them project over a, an orchestra um, as, the, as the string sections got bigger and bigger for bigger and bigger forces. And then because the strings were just increasing in number, maybe the projection issues weren't quite as strong. I'm not, I'm not sure. And then, of course, the second question would immediately be, why does it do composers or do we still develop new things on these instruments why do composers yeah. still invent new music for it is one thing and then as well why do they still invent new sounds and new sound worlds yeah and not only in a destructing way by destroying it like in the 60s or something but yeah. by finding new things what i find interesting is that I, i feel a lot of work on extended techniques isn't actually um kind of subversive isn't rejecting a the romantic side, even though it was sometimes perceived as that. But I feel like 
especially like in Lachman when he talked about pressione, he he said, oh, you know, like it, it just tells you that the nice full cello sound is one of the possibilities. So that, that this extended range of, of technical possibilities includes the beautiful cello sound. Um, as well as all of the other stuff, so rather than like rejecting, it's um, more like a different view on the instrument. Yeah, kind of like zooming out or like like looking at the instrument, um, taking the instrument as fixed because you, it's good to have one thing kind of parameter that's fixed, so the instrument is fixed, and then kind of going around and around it to look at all of the, the crazy I, things that, you can in, do with but, it. But don't you? I, I don't know. I mean, there's hardly any music for very little music written for harpsichord or for fortepiano. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's some pieces I know for fortepiano, but it's very, very little. Mm. I mean, one instrument, interesting instrument is, is of, of course, is um, recorder. I mean, Franz Brücken, there was hundreds and hundreds of commissions written for him, your music. Yeah. And the instrument is even much older than ours. Yeah. But I, I, I really, it's, it's, it's really a question I'm interested in. I mean, you could say, I mean, this, this is the arrogant way of, <laughs> of, of, of explaining it like an, an arrogant string player. He would say, it's the perfect instrument. You can't do it better. Yeah. It can't develop because it found its ideal way. But I'm not sure if it couldn't sort of develop in a, in, in a, in a different, in, in a way that it probably could fit better for the purposes of contemporary music. I don't know if it's possible. Yeah, maybe. I never thought of it for myself. Yeah. I'm happy with my cello. Yeah. But I just from the other side, mm -hmm. I, I sort of thought... Yeah, it's true. Maybe the price tag also has something to do with it. The what? The price tag. I mean, you could have... You That's could, interesting. Okay. <laughs> you could have several flutes and buy a new one and commission a new one. But if you want to commission a new good string instrument several new good string instruments then you'll be quite poor very quickly unless you're doing something else for your profession other than playing string instruments which is then a contradiction <laughs> I'm not sure maybe there's a little more development on strings I think new, yes, new yes, that's materials true. That's true. Um, synthetic materials for strings that's quite um, bows are a bit younger yeah but yeah. not much it's only about 100 years or something 150 yeah. years so. but then again like the um, kind of purpose of that development is quite fixed still on romantic string playing uh, to make it stay tune, in tune more easily or this kind of or to project better it's less, it's less for, for continual than for, for more solo mm, yeah. more, more protection things like mm, yeah. in a way it's probably in a wonderful way it's very limited no? yeah and it's very simple I mean we have just four strings it's just for, for the, 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 the next question coming out of this is, is, is of course all these new developments we have since we could say 1969 since Pression, but I, I'm sure, of course, it was earlier than that, but it's, it's sort of the first, for us now, the first famous piece for that. Do they influence our playing of old music, or do, can we use any of that, what we invented, or the, what the composers invented, or we invented together with composers? Is there a way of putting this into the... I mean, I'm not, not asking to play multiphonics in Schumann concerto, but you know what I mean, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think practicing contemporary music, if you find a good way of practicing contemporary music, I think it can help play in playing um, earlier music as well. I, I really disagree when people say, when professors say, oh, don't play contemporary music, it spoils your technique. I think it can that really refine your technique. For example, playing harmonics really refines your bow technique because if you just make a slight yes. jitter in the bow, then the harmonic is completely gone if it's a really... High so, so for bow control, yeah, that kind of, kind of thing. I think it's really helpful. Also, um, pitch and harmony. I think if you play a lot of harmonics, then you get a really good sense of natural tunings. Um, that's true. That's true. Um, yes. Those kind it's of very things. Good, it's a very good example. Yeah, I think refining those aspects of technique and even like overpressure noise, just knowing where those limits are. If you um, like 
know exactly where that limit is and you can push at it a little bit stronger. Actually, it's interesting because, you know, my, my teacher, Anna, Anna Bersman, he always taught his students to do this one knacks. Oh, you, yeah. you, you, you okay. can do it. Yeah, can you? Yeah. Oh. With, just with a dampened string. Just, just one, with, exactly. With an open string. Open string or dump string or whatever. But, but with a normal bow hold. Normal bow hold, exactly. Exactly this. Yeah. Yeah. So like one, one uh, exactly <laughs> five. <laughs> and this is, this is interesting because it's yeah. really very, very good for yeah. your, for your mm-hmm. yeah. um, control of, of bow speed, you know. Yep. And yep. Then, then, of course, if you go from that to the, I mean, then now we are talking about pression, but then mm-hmm. if you go to the completely toneless, soundless bowing, yep. you have sort of as well, you need a certain kind of bow control. and. Yep. To not have any normal sound. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you practice all these in between, then of course it's as well for your dynamic, the dynamic range you use for other music is very helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think even things like expressivity, I think you can practice. Like in Pression, there's expressivo like littered everywhere. And yeah, but it's quite new. Okay, a different question. Well, you added those ones in the. No, not I did. That was the new version. You plural added those ones in the. Yeah, which I, but I think it's really interesting to think of making those espresso, espresso with noises. It's a really interesting way of refining your espresso. But sound. this is, it, it's actually, it, it, very, it suits very well in, in, in now the subject we're discussing because mm. this new version, I mean, that, that wasn't planned now, this kind of conversation. <laughs> the new version, it's exactly the reason why Helmut put this in. It wasn't to say, oh, this is espresso in the sense of espresso like. Tchaikovsky or Schumann mm-hmm. or whatever, it was much more his experience working with cellists and finding out that if you ask them to play with a certain kind of affection, then yep. they play differently. So it has a different kind of intensity. So it's like, it's not espressivo in the sense of whatever passion or something, it's, yep. it's, it's espressivo in the sense of intensity. Mm-hmm. So and of course at the time you wouldn't have used it because it was just not in their vocabulary yeah but now it's like he worked so much with musicians that he found out okay if you if you play tone laws on on a clarinet or whatever and you give you write in espressivo it gives you it it it's more you know it it's a different kind of um how to say pro- projection and everything yeah maybe it also forces you to like listen more or in a different in a, way, in a different listening way. for exactly. something. So mm-hmm. it's more like it's more like an extension of possibilities, but not in a sen- not not in an, in an old sense. Actually, in a mm-hmm. new sense, it's just yeah. adding new okay. sort yeah, of yeah. new matters to it. Mm. Okay. Um, is there for extended techniques? Is there sort of a deadline when it's over and when we found out everything on the chill? Well, is there a beginning? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have, in a way, I have a problem with the word extended techniques, even though I also use it because I feel like it didn't start in the 60s, for sure. Um, I don't know what it means. I think it's quite, it's really difficult to define. And it almost is one of those words when you use it and it almost has a kind of negativity attached to it because it's like extended techniques is kind of a bit... Is it? I think so. It's like one of those words... Yeah, I feel like it. 
Well, if you but, but negative in, in, in the sense for musicians who don't want to yeah, I don't explore, do I don't do want to explore. Like, but nowadays, I mean, come on, we do all yeah, sort of artistic research, and we do all yeah, the, we are all this kind true. of. I, I just think there's a lot of there are a lot of techniques that exist on the boundaries. And then I think if you want a perfect definition of extended techniques, it has to be able to, you have to be able to like round it off and say this is and this isn't, or like it's a bit hard. And then if you just take something simple like solponticello and say, well, when you play like half a centimeter close to the bridge, it's just normal for multi-channel. And if you play like really like quarter of a centimeter, then it's an extended technique. I don't know. It's just so many instances where you can find little contradictions about the, the terminology that I just feel like, oh, I don't know what... I don't, I don't really know what it means. And then if you go back to like Monteverdi or... They use it. Yeah, they're they using called Batuto or Marlon's using Batuto or like so many people are using it for, for not in a subversive way, but in a really coloristic, like storytelling kind of way. What was this, this, this Captain, what is Captain Hume when this, he did this, you know, the Gamba, what's his name? I forgot. I don't know. Um, oh, he, he recorded all these 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 pieces. Oh yeah, the Gamba solo pieces and you have Bartok pieces. Uh, Bartok yeah, pieces. Yeah, exactly. At the time, I guess Bartok wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know. As, as far as I know, he wasn't yeah, there yet. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I think even like the term is a bit is a bit tricky. Yeah, and I also feel like when I when I was writing my PhD, which is the beginnings of Chalamap, I, I started a little bit to look at the terminology, and if you try to find a definition of it, it hasn't really been defined in many places. And then if you look in Grove, like the most famous um, University of Oxford publications uh, dictionary, the, the, the term in there is a little bit negative. I think it uses the word flood or something like that. Like, oh, really? Flood of oh, okay. So it's a bit like, okay. oh, okay, it's not, I don't know. Find, yeah. Okay, find, but but, but is, anyway. is, is for you? I mean, is it? Is there a, a point where you think, okay, now we found everything? Well, I don't think we reached that point. I don't know if there is a point. <laughs> I think, I think there's kind of like a subdividing and a kind of refining. I think the sort of basic areas of of exploration are, are quite clear, and then I think now there's like a, a refining where the level gets higher and higher and higher as people practice certain things more and more and then the level really increases and and I think it kind of goes outwards um, yeah and things things could be more finely defined more finely notated and more reliably reproduced but how, how do you think was it I mean if I look at the repertoire of the let's say 60s 70s 80s And of course, it was Pression, but it was lots of others, and and yeah, and, yeah Palm as well. I mean, yeah. and he, he explored a lot, lot. I mean, he did lots of pieces, and 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 of course, he he, he didn't like the Pression, and he hated the piece, but whatever. But still, because it went too far, but still, he was one of the cellists who mm -hmm. did a lot for this kind of um, exploring of the of the instrument. Was it at the time? Um, Came the exploring of the instrument came in from the composers, or came in from, or, or was it sort of initiative of the players? Because I think it's it's a, it's two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because a composer always, I mean, just to come to the point, it's like a composer says, "Okay, I want this and this, and how do I write it down?" As a cellist myself, or what what you do, I mean, mm -hmm. more than anybody else, I guess, oh. it's like it's more in a direction. Um, I explore something and I, in the moment I don't care how to notate it. It's just like I want to I want to have this exploration yeah. adventure with my instrument. 
Yeah. What do you think? What was it in the, yeah. at, at that time? I mean, not only in cello. It, it's the yeah. same in wind instruments. And, and I don't know. I don't know. I have the feeling that then there was a big push from um, from composers, actually. But I'm I'm not sure. I also think it, it's really interesting to to trace back and find certain developments that were definitely performer initiated, like. For example, multiphonics on coming through from jazz saxophone playing, Coltrane playing them, and everyone wondering how he got. Was it from jazz? Yeah, and people uh, it started from jazz. Also, um, string multiphonics started with with improvising like Scottenimio and and the double bass kind of. But that's 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 quite a bit later Scottenimio. I mean, like like earlier when when he really started for cellists, we have this. Um, most people don't know, but just probably it's, it's, a, it's a nice little story. The cello repertoire and the, the sort of way cello was treated in for composers and everything, it changed enormously because of Duport and Boccherini and all this kind, yeah. end of 18th century. Because why? Because they used the thumb. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So suddenly you could, could put the thumb there and you could play... Yeah. But to also stuff high up, which was impossible because nobody used the thumb. Yeah. They used it perhaps sometimes, but they just said, okay, let's use it really like a finger and you'd have this fifth on yeah. cello, which is much, much better than on the violin. You can really yeah. play in tune, fifths and everything. So it changed the whole cello repertoire totally. Yeah, and, and that was a push from, from, with, from Exactly, then. exactly. Even, I mean, of course, the, 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 he was a great composer and mm-hmm, a great cellist yeah. and probably the greatest cellist ever, Pocorini. Yeah. But as well, Dupont and all these people, if they wouldn't have shown it to um, Haydn, Kraft was yeah. one of them, uh, Dupont, yeah. if they wouldn't have shown it to, to Beethoven, triple yeah. concerto would have been possible. Yeah. Just, it's very clear. So is that something, was it Palm, was it people like him? Yeah, I, I, I think that Palm and Rostopovich made a big, uh, a big impact um, in their commissions. I don't know if it came from developing an instrument themselves, but I think it came from an amazing energy that they wanted to play in music and they wanted to work with composers and, and play fresh, fresh pieces. But I don't know if it came from them exploring the instrument or just this, this impulse to... Isn't, isn't there something, an, an, another element I experienced quite a lot as well myself as well, of course mainly through the quartet, that often composers, they think, okay, I can experiment with this instrument because they will try everything I yeah. want so yeah. that they trust. And I think that's that's true. I never thought of Rostropovich, but it's actually it's true. He was one, I mean, the people thought, okay, for him we could write like just whatever. You yeah, know? yeah. And I mean, it went sometimes too far, as you know. Probably you know the stories about the twelve pieces for Sacha. Why did he not like all of them? No, some I of them. He, I mean, it was famous famous stories about going, oh, okay. coming to the recording of Messerschmitt's Kiss and he didn't practice. And of course, they had okay. it never happened the recording. Okay. Or Klaus okay. Huber was like, like you know, um, yeah, Hans Positio. Yeah. He was like, uh, he yeah. sort of played okay. parts of it because. Okay. The composers went then too far, but we have mm-hmm. the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's often you, you get a piece and say, "Look, this is really you, you go too far." Yeah? I mean, I won't say names now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it's it's, it's 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 this combination of okay, there is somebody, and I can try out, and he will do more than he ever did before. So yeah. this kind of feeling. Yeah, and I think that I think the cellists that have been more open-minded have really helped us like our the next generations because you can see in the whole of string playing I think the cello repertoire um, has been built up much more 
since the... The Dwight. Well, I don't know. I think that, I think you could... Well, I think there's certain advantages of the instrument, um, that some things are a bit more possible, um, like like very high harmonics or like... But that's, that's as well, that is exactly this. I mean, extended... Okay, now we use the word... No, but no, no, I think... <laughs> the, the, the extended techniques there are, yeah. I mean, uh, work better on the cello than on any other instrument. We can say that, I think, yeah. without well, being arrogant. Well, maybe double bass is also... If a double bass, then you have limitations in a different direction. Okay. No? no? <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a... Yeah. Sort of this in between is sort of yeah. That's, anyway, that's a position we love anyway. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I think is really interesting that's more recent development in terms of like the composer side and the performer side of, of developing that, that where before like we had our etudes and our technique books and composers had their instrumentation guides and like um, yeah um, Berlioz and all of that. Now we have these books where the composers and performers come together, like this Baron Writer series or um, that's true. The, the different technique that's books. True. And that's quite interesting. It shows a kind of that's like true. that that's these true. two paths are kind of crossed a little bit. And now there's this kind of joint literature, which I think is quite, quite interesting. That's interesting. Actually. Of course, in a way, because I mean, of course, in the 17th or even 18th century, every instrumentalist was a composer. Right. I mean, they were trying And it divided yeah. in the 20th century more mm-hmm. and more. It divided yeah. into different, yeah. different sides. I mean, as well, cello is in, for me always is interesting because we have Boccherini as a great composer and a great mm-hmm. cellist, yeah. and of course we have David Popper as a great composer. Yeah. And for yeah. us, I mean, we are convinced the rest of the world we can't convince <laughs> that he's a great composer. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a joke. But I mean, Popper, interesting. He was he yeah. was one of the cellists who had an enormous influence on composers. Yeah. What yeah. they wrote, what kind of music, what they dared to write for the instrument. Yeah. But it was always divided in two, especially with the cello. I mean, piano, it's nearly not every composer, but still, I mean, look look at all the composers today, they have, most of them are very good piano players. Yeah. yeah. So it's very, very rare that you have a, a cellist. I mean, Jonathan Harvey was actually one. He was a great cellist. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, a very, he was yes. a very good cellist. Yeah. Oh, cool. And actually, in a way, if you, I mean, of course, you know, Curve of Plateau and all these pieces. Yeah, excellent. And wonderful, wonderful pieces. And yeah. you, you can... He, he, that's actually what would be an interesting example to to research what what what's the difference between yeah. him and others. Yeah. But yeah. is there now? So you think there will be still more and more refinement in the cello exploration of new sounds, exactly. of new techniques, of new whatever. I think so. I think, I mean... You hope so, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> I think the limits for things like what, what was hard a hundred years ago is now kind of standardized. And I think this kind of general movement will keep keep going, I think. And maybe it gets a little slower because it, it's just... Oh, there are limits, but I think, I, I, I think it would still keep going kind of outwards. And I now if, so. if we only stay in, let's say, in the last 70 years... Okay. Um, if you look at one of your specialities, multiphonics, if you now play a piece where, like Sharino or Four or something, where multiphonics come for the first time, sort of, I guess, in, in, in contemporary music, it has our or your exploration, I mean, your, your experiments you had and all your experience yeah. has an influence onto these pieces. Yeah, yeah. I think you can be more 
free because now for, for when Fura writes any multiphonic or something, you could you have a choice for convenience or for sound or for um, whatever, whichever musical or technical factor you want to choose. So you're, you're more flexible, um, which I think he would be okay with because I think he just writes a kind of vague. It's very, vague it's very vague. It's as um, well. I mean, scratch sounds when Lachman or other people or Ligetiox and Akis whoever wrote them, but now Lachman he changed a lot of lot of these scratch sounds in, in, in his course because now he found out or instrumentalists or cellists or whatever found out that you can differentiate much more than people used to do. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it is in a way I find it, it's just one small thought in sort of in, in brackets in between. I find very interesting on one hand we are when we learn the cello nowadays it's absolutely common and natural that we try to think okay when we play a Bach suite how were they played at the time? Yeah. And how they were exactly played, like with kind of bowings and what kind of strings and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Exploring this. And sort of, in a way, not letting our all our experience, as well in the classical playing, but as well it's in, the, in, in the exploring the instrument in different ways, we don't want that to have it in Bach. Yeah, it's very. I find it very strange. Yeah. Why is that? We we think about you know Beethoven. You have to play like this and the right fingerings and you know and the tempo and etc. And I think look, we are in a completely different position now. It's a different time. It's a different kind of acoustics. It's a different kind of holes. It's, I mean, the cello is the same, but it's okay. Yeah. But of course, we, we don't know and how they, the piece, pieces were played at Beethoven times. I'm actually not really interested how they played it at the time. Because it's the same. If if I listen how Stravinsky conducted his pieces, it's interesting, but it's never how I would do it. Yeah. So it's like, but we don't let our, especially for cello, all this experience, all this exploring, all this experience. Why don't they somehow? Not in the sense that they scratch Bach, but we don't let it, you know, yeah. come there. Yeah, I think it's quite, I think it's mixed. I don't know. I think. In a way, like putting new information to Bach, there is like people who are really researching that, and so in a way, it's like new enlightenment or new information about that piece that's then being put back into it to play it authentically. But I think, I think it's really good that there are people who are really active in doing that. Um, of course, yeah, it's fantastic. Really yeah, I, I, mean, the music. Yeah, I studied with Belsma. I mean, that, right. that, was, that was his. He was the first uh, one. Yeah, of course. But um, but yeah, I think also. Yeah, it, it's it's really good to have, especially Bach. I think it can take so much. Like it's such great music, it can take so many different kinds of interpretations that I I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we, it, it's important to be too purist about it because I think this this great music you can play in so many different ways and it can still be. It's, like it's very interesting. I just just recently had students in Frankfurt in, in my my class and we were discussing a, a, a violin not a cello he played. First one was the first suite, of course, with a vibrato, and then it is, okay. But I said, what do you think about Casals with all these things? And could you imagine, just as a provocation, of course, we said, yeah. could you imagine playing vibrato? No, never, never. Mm -hmm. I mean, just completely impossible. Yeah. I thought, why not? Yeah. What is the, what is it that it makes it so... Yeah, it's embarrassing, kind of. Something. Because we could, in the same yeah. way, we, we, in the same way, we could say, okay, um, how was Lachman played Pression in I mean, it is now, it's how many years? Yeah. Uh, it was in, like in 17. No? no, it's 50 years ago. Yeah. It's 50 years ago. Yeah. It's a half a century. I mean, it's a long time. Yeah. 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 How was it played in 1969? And, and 
Okay, yeah. that's the way how it, ha it has to be played. Yeah. Actually, the discussion, I mean, lots of cellists actually and yeah. upsetting musicologists were shocked about the new version, you know, the new... Oh, uh, really? Of okay. course, of course. And in, in the same way, yeah. you could say, I mean, there's so many pieces you could say, why not notate it differently? I mean, yeah. 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 yeah, it's true. Like, that's, that example, I think, is really interesting because if you imagine that his what he wanted stayed more or less stable and then you just have the two notations of it that, that with the time in between where he tested yeah. it out on lots of players exactly, and, exactly. and kind of modified what he wanted, I think is, is really interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think also there's kind of a time lapse when, when discoveries are made about how Bach has been played or was played or should be played. Um, I think sometimes... Like that's taken on quite quickly, rather quickly by some people, like, um, and then rather slowly by others. Like there are some professors in music cultures or conservatoires which which haven't like there's a generation, a big generation gap. And how are you even going to get hold of that information if you're a professor in a in that's a true. music culture? I think there's these different places taking on different amounts of this information. Um, yeah, and I, and I think there's other places where some places where it's in kind of. Um, embarrassing to do anything other than, than play it really um, stylistically and places where it would be really embarrassing to play anything other than like in a romantic way yeah very romantic way I don't know yeah I think part I think it's a broader problem in music performance practice actually that we don't have a very good way of sharing information with each other I think oh, you also experience okay. that a little bit with extended techniques because also if you go so let's say uh a piece by Lachman or whatever that was written in the last 30 or 40 years then the professor if you take it to your professor in the Hochschule who's already 60 years old then they wouldn't you know they've kind of missed that and then this generation could also kind of miss that information because their professor kind of missed it and then it, it's quite easy to um, to miss out on so that's why I think it's really good that it's there's true. a lot of new music and early music um, modules on offer. But actually, actually, um, <laughs> YouTube can be helpful, but can yeah. be, but can yeah. be very dangerous. Right, right. Because very often, then people do something with contemporary pieces. I have it right very often, and they do something mm. which is completely nonsense. Yeah. Just nonsense. Yeah. Has nothing to do with what's written. Even nothing what the composer <laughs> wants or whatever. Yeah. And they say, but look, but he does it like this. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's like there's it's the, the criteria to, to choose. Is, yeah. Is, is, is I, I don't know what the answer is, but I I don't think that we have a great system of of disseminating that information. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that, that would be something to to really work on, no? Yeah, I, mean, I think so. Uh, sort of open platforms and sharing systems mm -hmm. and all these yeah. kind of things. Yeah, because I also think even the Baron Writer books, and, and some of them are really good, but they're also they're like 55 euros or something. Who's I find them very good, but I find them... How do you say? I mean, very, very... Con let's say very concentrated on one person or two people or something. Yeah, it's very personal. Very it's personal. very personal. <laughs> yeah, it's it, true. It, it, it is very personal. Yeah. I mean, it's great, and it's it's great to know how these people did it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. to go beyond and to use it really as a as a tool for your own playing and for yeah, your own... it's hard. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, also which which violinist is going to spend fifty five euros on a book anyway? You know, like it's probably. Yeah, like some of the University of California Press ones are already out of print, which is a bit sad because some of them are really good, like the um, Turetsky one, the double bass one. Is no, really it's, out it's, of it's of course a legend. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, and it's it's really good, but because no one really buys those books, so I don't think book is really the right 
So we should find a new way kind of to do it. Yeah, right. Okay, that's that's a project. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? Let's. Huh? What are you doing tomorrow? Let's make exactly. It let's let's make it so. So yeah. you explored a lot, did a lot of research and a lot of work into the multiphonics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So general question: Is it yeah. <laughs> is it for the composer? Or is it for you? Well, I'm not a composer, so if I want to bring it to the stage, there has to be an element of of, of it being at least made available to composers. Yes. Um, oh, you, you, did, you did that. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a channel map and everything. Okay, exactly. Which yeah. we just talked in, in, yeah. in a minute. And I'm really happy, really happy always to work with composers to to refine the techniques. I think then also if you have a really fresh kind of angle on a technique, and composers might come up with some question that you never thought of, and then you might push a little further to get other sounds. Yeah, and your, your first sort of, how you say, initiative, your first sort of, whatever, how you, how you say, um, yeah. kick. Yeah. What was it? Is it just I explore my cello or was it like our composers should do? Should you know about this. No, no, no. I, as well, no. Yeah. No is one thing, but should yeah. um, should they You could say it's it's not it's not not it's not sarcastic and it's not arrogant, not meant like this. Yeah. Sort of, they need new food, you know. Yeah. You could say that. I mean, yeah. like like in a sense, <laughs> what, as we started, the cello, the instrument is so old. So let's show there's still new mm -hmm. things possible. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I think probably it started alone in a practice room, having a lot of fun trying to control the sounds. So I think the initial impulse was was that, like working out the instrument and it was your yeah, it was enjoying yourself, controlling so the sounds and finding finding the pitches and trying to keep these blocks of pitches stable. And then, of course, working with Caspianis's algorithm that he made, which is basically the mathematical theory. But that was, was later, no? Well, he published it in like 2014 or something. Okay. He, yeah. Which which is just, just after Chalimap, actually, but he's been working exactly. on it for since before. No, 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 yeah. but, but your, yeah. your, 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 I, I remember, I mean, when you started, it was... A little earlier, but he, I think he put them in pieces and stuff before then anyway, so, and we were already in contact since okay. he teaches here. Yeah, um, but then of course, like it's it's amazing to have them in, in a musical context. Um, like now, we just did a piece with um, Katrina Rosenberger, and she um, had really nice ideas about trying to um, emphasize two of the inner harmonics in multiphonics, which I'd never really tried. Can you just quickly before. explain what we're talking about? Oh, okay. <laughs> so multiphonics on a cello. I mean, we we do all. I guess more or less we know what a multiphonic is yeah. on a wind instrument, yeah. but what is it on on a, on a string instrument? Yeah, I think it's really important to try, to be thorough with definitions. <laughs> exactly. Really so I um, define it as um, um, a single excitation on the string. So like one one excitation, one way of making the string move, so that um, several harmonics. Um, sound simultaneously and are perceived as sounding simultaneously. So it's several harmonics sounding as a kind of chord, basically. On one string. Um, on one Not string. On exactly, on one string. That belongs on to the definition as well. On one string with one excitation means. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one, one string, one means excitation, but you hear a chord, you hear several. And this chord is made up of, of harmonics. Exactly. Okay. And there's a fixed groupings of harmonics that, that um, sound together. Um, it's not... It, um, It's not just any harmonics that sound together. You can work out which ones will sound. So you together. can't just choose. It's not just like as that. a composer. No, it's, it's <laughs> so it's very important. No, yeah, exactly right. And um, it's not just a choice. I mean, it, yeah. we have the same. We had, uh, yeah. had for years the same experience, of course, in 
in ensembles or playing with wind instruments and composition. But you know, one, especially this tone and this tone, and, really and, like and they said, look, but sorry, but it's not possible because how much, that's as well. I think quite important multiphonics. We talk about physics. No, mm -hmm. it's not yeah. something you. I mean, of course, you can influence by mm -hmm. how you play it, but in the end, yeah. it's just the physics. The pitch content is pretty fine. And it's, it's even, this is why one thing I think is almost a contradiction, that it's become much more popular and much earlier popular and many more, there's many more fingering charts for wind instruments, when actually the physics of wind instruments in terms of multiphonics is much more complicated. So you have different oboes that move outwards a little bit here and then different pitches come or a different clarinet, multiphonics. The famous Charino, you know the famous Charino in, what is it, Lo Spazio in Verso. Okay. And there's this double stop, I mean, it's just two notes on the, it's a multiphonic on the mm. track, but it only works on the special Italian okay. clarinet. Right. So everybody plays it like, I think, one note higher, one note lower, lower right. something. So you can't play the right notes yeah. on a normal clarinet, it yeah. just doesn't exist. Yeah. Exactly, so, yeah. but that's the clarinet he had when he was working. Exactly. I guess. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So even the Bartolozzi now, which is like an amazing resource and was really important in so many ways, now most wind players don't use those multiphonics tables um, anymore. And and even, I mean, pretty much all the multiphonics tables, I think you have to really apply them to your own instrument, which is why often in these books they say, oh, you know, work with the, the performer who you're, you want to play this piece to make sure that the multiphonics are applicable in, in their case. Okay. But for strings, that's really not the case because a string... Is, is is a string is a string it just sounds okay. like a string so, so but that's okay that's as an explanation it's already quite yes so I think okay. yeah exactly um, but the other way of looking at it which I think is also interesting is um, uh, Håkon Tellin a, a Norwegian double bass player who did quite undertook quite an early um, research project in multiphonics with um, uh, Knut Gretler who's a double bassist and physicist from also from Oslo and he described it as a filtering out, which I think is also a really nice way of describing multiphonic, that it's just a normal tone. And because of where your finger is, you filter out certain pitches, making this kind of like chord effect. I mean, it, 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 it is interesting now, suddenly I, I think it reminds me of this, in a wonderful way, fresh thinking of Lachmann. And he says, okay, just look at the instrument in a different way. Mm -hmm, I mean, yeah. it's not... It's not an ugly, it's not a wrong, it's not a bad yeah. tone, it's just yeah. a different tone. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's in the same way natural as playing a normal note, as playing yeah. in a harmonica or an open string. Right. So it's just yeah. a different way of doing it. Exactly. Which That's, we are not used yeah. to. Yeah. Which, which is, so, yeah, okay, this, this way of looking is, is of course, is, is, is in a way yeah. absolutely wonderful. because it's, Yeah, and it's not aggressive, that's what I like. It's not destructive, it's not Yeah, exactly. exactly, because that's what I think people think of in the 60s, of, of this, like, aggressive approach to, to normal technique. But I, I don't really... Of course, some things were really playful or wanted to be really radical, but I, I don't feel that aggression that I think some people... I don't know, maybe I'm... Yeah. No, 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 of course, of course. It for just, me, it's not, it's it's, not it's, an it's, it's, it's exploring. Yeah, yeah. But maybe so, it's best to show... Because the, so the, the groupings that work together are when you find nodal points for, for harmonics that are next to each other on the string. And even then, it's not necessarily... Just, 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 just play two harmonics right. and then play the one in between. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. So this is the, the most basic multiphonic, um, or the, the multiphonic that's like kind of at the root of all other multiphonics is the Fibonacci multiphonic, because that's the other thing. All of the, the, the work of this prediction algorithm, which Johannes did, um, is to um, start with the Fibonacci series, where, the, where you add each of the numbers in a, in a series to, yeah. to generate the next one in the series. And then the most basic one is the Fibonacci multiphonic. So the um, 
too obviously here, but that's a little too low to hear um, for other reasons. Here's three. Uh, five. Eight. And 13. So now we have three, eight, and thirteen. Um, three, five, eight, three, sorry. thirteen. Yeah, okay. Three, three, three five, eight, yeah. thirteen. Okay. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, and the way you play it is sort of. <laughs> mm, my it, technique. What's your technique? No, no, I don't know. But, okay. but, but, but no, I mean, I mean, I mean in any sort of okay. general way. Cello, you, yeah. You, you you touch the string in a way that you don't hear these enormously high overtones. You you touch the string in, in a way that you sort of get more than one. Yeah, more, well, I, people have different ways of doing it. My personal way of doing it, which I also describe in Chalabab, is I always find the highest one in the group with the left hand, yeah. which in this case is the 13. I find that and I leave the finger there. And then instead of like, now I'm trying to make the bow play the 13th harmonic by making it kind of light and mm-hmm. a bit faster. And now I make the bow kind of suitable for the lower ones and keep the finger on the higher ones. Ah, okay. That's my technique. Great. Okay. That's my way. But there's probably different ways, other ways of doing it. No, no, no. The, 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 yeah. But this is, I mean... Yeah. Okay, Kasper Johannes Walter, he did a lot of work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, this is really sort of a movement from, let's say, more cellist or instrumentalist as on a double bass. Okay, Scott mm-hmm. was another one. Yeah. A great player and a great composer. Yeah, and actually the earliest fingering charts were for guitar. It was, um, um, oh no, I can't remember his name, but he, he wrote the University of California Press series for guitar, and now he does a lot of um, 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 Parch stuff, uh, Schneider. Ah, okay. Yeah. and that's For guitar. For guitar, and they're still very accurate, actually. They're really quite Fantastic. accurate. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the next question is to, 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 yeah. to, to stay in the practical part of it. Yeah. Is, of course... Um, Even for the harmonics, we or the composers haven't found a common way of writing them down. Yeah. And how is it now for multiphonics? I mean, you try. You, your work I with the cello map is amazing because yeah. it really it's it's uh, open for everybody. Everybody can see it on the website. It's, it's yeah. like it's explore it there, see it, and everything. But um, how is it? Is there now more or less a way of writing it down? Um, well, I I did find a I did find a way, and it's similar. Like most people put somewhere the left hand position more or less, um, and then the the numbers of the harmonics in the group because I think that's just helpful for the ear. And then, if necessary, also the exact pictures of the harmonics in the group written out. But I think you could also do that kind of in a a kind of index at the back or something so that you don't take up mm-hmm. so much space. But for me, the numbers of the, the harmonics are really important. That's, that's, I mean, in the end, we control yeah. it by ear, no? Exactly, and I think you do need to hear it. And I think it seems sometimes it seems a little unreasonable to be able to hear all of these things at once, but I was thinking about it, and it is quite... Like, also just for intonation, like, if you're doing a shift, it's really important to hear in advance what you want to hear. Like, it will only be in tune if you... Plan in advance, and if you're listening to it in your head in advance, and it's kind of the same with a high harmonic because you make like subconscious adjustments in your hands, like especially in this hand, 
if you want to hear a high harmonic, then you kind of know what you need to do. And if you can vaguely hear it, then you can control it. Like if you hear in advance before. So it's difficult to hear in advance, but I think it's necessary to try. But again, to write it down, I mean, I always, um, <laughs> I told you many times, every time I see you, I think I say, don't try the composers <laughs> because we have to do it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I said, it's a joke. But you know, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like, Again, the question, how do we bring this experience into, in a reasonable way, into scores? Yeah. Into scores for composers say, oh, look, I can, first of all, how to write it in, but as well, a very important thing, I think, is to dare to write it, you know? Yeah. And to know how far can I go? I mean, yeah. in a fast context, sometimes composer writing, and, and of course it's completely impossible yeah, yeah. because it needs time until the... St it's the same with yeah. wind instruments. We all we, we had this 20 years ago, but mm. now... <laughs> yeah, and also how with, loud or how soft. How soft, or, exactly. So, in what context? Some people write double stops, which I think is just... I mean, I've tried it. I think it's really impossible to write double stops. If it's in fifths, like, if it's in fifths, more or less, maybe. But still, then I think you lose it. It's really, it's such a fine. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, because because this, the, the uh, very fine bow conditions for the right hand, it, it's different for the different strings. I think it's really difficult to so do. So that's a do don't double do. stops. Is a don't. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, Yeah, it's really difficult, but it, it's also... So I was talking about other formats of how you how you get this work out, how you get to search out to people. Obviously, a book from Antiphonics... Um, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Unless, I mean, of course, Marcus Weissen did an amazing job with his charts, and then you can go and listen to every one, which is, of course, really important. Then he also does gradations for loudness in his Baron Writer book. That kind of thing, I think, is, is interesting. Um, it's great, of course, but, but of course, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, I mean, when did it come out? 10 years ago? 15 yeah, years? Yeah, maybe something like something that, like, yeah. It's a different time now, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, internet yeah. Is, a, is a completely People, different kind yeah. of tool. Exactly. And yeah, I agree. And so with Chalamap, I was trying to make the information available. I was also trying to stay a little bit neutral, so I wasn't trying to suggest like musical ways of using it um, too much, but to just show kind of what's possible and what it sounded like, which is, of course, the biggest, most important question. But you realize how you have like quite a strong influence even in how you play it, how loudly you play it, at that moment when you recorded it for the Chelemap tape, like what one composer said to me, oh, so you can only do multiphonics in Dambo, huh? Because just all of the ones on Chelemap are in a Dambo. And I was it like, It is no, easier, you... though. Well, yeah. it is easier, yeah, sure, but... Not, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, it's not easier. No, and you no. can change bow, and you can, you know... Of course, of course, yeah. But because I'd just done all of them in one Dambo, like, <laughs> it's, really, it's really hard to... So, everybody, all the, in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's quite sensitive to find a, a good way of... Yeah, so now, for, when I did the, the, this other work for the app, I did them all in two bows, just to show. But, I mean... And I also tried to, to do a few more slightly freer examples so that you can see how they might... There's some kind of musical way of working with them. But it, it is actually... It, it, it's an, another thing comes to my head now. It's, yeah. It is interesting because it's not at all disrespectful, but like Frances Mary Whitty did lots of repertoire. She played lots of pieces mm -hmm. were yeah. written for her. I mean, mm -hmm. lots of Shetsy pieces. And if you compare how it's written and what she plays, there's a huge, mostly there's a huge difference. Okay. Because she was very, very, very free how she did it. Which okay. is, in a way, is great. Yeah. You know, it's a different approach, you know. Yeah. She does it as well with sometimes with, with, with written scores and the composers like it more or less, you yeah. know. Yeah. Which, but but in, in a way, I like it because she is 
very inventive. She's a great artist. She's a great cellist. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I just do my thing with it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that could be, I mean, <laughs> something like this, you know, it could be, yeah. where are we? And that's, that's actually another thing I, I just thought before about this, our conversation. It's interesting that this idea of, of aleatoric pieces or graphic notation or something I have to do, obviously, I mean, you learned it here, it's, you do the Hauptstock and your Busotti yeah. and your yeah. whatever, Cornelius Cardio and all these kind of things. Mm. It, in a way, it doesn't exist anymore, or very, very little. Perhaps it will come back now again through concept pieces and mm -hmm. these performative pieces, yeah. but in the way, in, this, in the normal sort of score writing, that... Even in a way, I mean, just as a sort of thought, could be even implemented into these pieces. You could say, okay, mm -hmm. why not do yep. multiphonics in Habenstock grammatic pieces? Even he had no idea about it. Yeah, so yeah. You could sort yeah, of, for sure, definitely. So this would be actually this way of writing and using something which is somebody does more or less, but you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It could be... Uh, Enrichment of yeah. our of our colors and of our playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. But I think one thing that's really important why I'm so interested in the science of it because I think it does give you some like ground to stand on somehow. Like if you go a little bit into the science of it and, and try and work it out, even if it's kind of imperfect, or even if of course you would need actually a specialist to really look at that, at least you have this solid ground. And then if you decide to be more free with it, or if you decide to make the pitches random, it's great, it's very good. Yeah. At least you have this kind of solidity that, that you're, you can kind of rely on. Um, there's a really interesting, actually, exchange between um, the, the uh, woodwind multiphonics that you can see um, happening. There's a, a really excellent physicist called Arthur Bernade who wrote, well, he was a research in based in uh, I university. Think, I think I need that information for, for sort of my future yeah. wind students. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And you can see an exchange that he says in one of his books, like, I don't know, music acoustics books, um, oh, that someone had asked him how Coltrane plays, plays these multiphonics. And, and first he thought it was singing with playing at the same time. And this was like 1960s something. And then, um, and then someone said, oh, no, it's not. And then he went and found some wind players and made some recordings and then kind of like proved how wind multiphonics work. And then yeah. he also discovered um, Bartolozzi and then kind of reorganized some of those um, tables that he had made to look at those. And you can see this kind of exchange back and forth happening with, with science and music, which I think mm -hmm. is really which is fantastic. so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And such a nice... And of course, probably the people who wrote the multiphonics tables after that didn't know about that, but still that research has been done and it's kind of there and there's just something stabilizing about that, which I think is really nice. No, it's, it's great, but it's, it's in a way, it's a fantastic way of doing it. It's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world is how it is, or the music yeah. world is how it is, yeah. or our colleagues are how they are, because, I mean, to be honest, most cellists you know and I know most string players and even lots of string players who play contemporary music, they have not even understood the physics of harmonics, yeah. of normal harmonics, how yeah. they work. I mean, why the seventh harmonic you can play on six points on the string yeah. and where the points are and etc. and all these kind of things. It's not common sense yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, and yeah. this, the science, this, I mean, the scientific part yeah, that's of, the, of, the, yeah. of the harmonics is so simple. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy. You can explain it in half an hour and you, can, yeah. you, you know it for the rest of your life. Yeah. But most string players don't know. Yeah. So... Yeah. But in, in, in a way, even it's, it's, it's of course quite often if you have something more complicated, 
it then people understand the simple yeah, things. Yeah, working back. Working back and they understand. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I think it's something also that needs to be working. I think that's also a little bit this generation gap that I was talking about earlier, that sometimes where do you learn your cello playing from a professor in a Hochschule? And then naturally, like, 30 years behind you. And if you get, if you're a bit unlucky and you get yeah, something a little but bit... This is, like, not very open. They're already thirty years behind that. From in a way, but you know, you know, it's quite hard. To be very, <laughs> to be very clear, the person I learned most for contemporary music was yeah. Anna Bersma. Okay. And not in a sense, of course, as well in the sense mm -hmm. of how to play contemporary music, but as yeah. well how to play and how to do new techniques on the cello. Because yeah. the way he explored his cello, yeah, it was so wonderful and the way he thought about the instrument you know he said yeah. look how did the instrument look in the baroque time what do i do today with it mm -hmm. this kind of um just curiosity you know just yeah. always be sort of okay interested what is it how does it work and not in the sense this is right and this is wrong just in the sense like more explore more refinement etc etc yeah. so it's yeah. like and yeah. he was Well, not he wasn't old, but he was quite. I was his last official student um, I mean, studying in the Hague. So it's, yeah. it's like perhaps, perhaps it's it's generation, but I think it's only part. Of no, it. I just mean that then no, 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 it's no, good to have like alternative of channels of, of of information should, come yeah, from different places, true. and I think it's really interesting to think about. I how. mean, it's that definitely we we should have more sort of connection between the yeah. all the cellists, all the string yeah. players, or anyway, you know, how yeah. we do it. And and the latest project that I have here is this etude. Project. And I think that's also something really interesting because I think we learn through etudes and most of the etudes that we play now are a hundred years old. And I think it's interesting, what can we do to contribute a bit to that literature to Actually, help explore? You know, I mean, Garth did that yeah, amazing. Garth Knox is pieces. amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. yeah, they're amazing Actually, he, he wants to do a cello version. Of oh, that. really? Oh, yeah, excellent. So. Okay. Oh, that's cool. He's working on a cello version Maybe. as well. And, uh, but and, and not yeah. in the sense, look, my, my viola etudes on cello, he really mm. wants to know how to do it on the cello. Okay. Things like oh, fantastic. So what's the next... After how, after Multiphonics? Um, yep, so Multiphonics, <laughs> the app comes out um, soon, should be really soon. Chalem Up is broken at the moment, but it's also coming out again soon. I saw it's uh, broken, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the Hochschule, um, it's not for you, but for the Hochschule. Fix it. Yeah, right, I'm doing my best. Uh, it's a little slow. No, it's not you. I no, no, you're right. Um, yeah, the app's coming out soon. Um, and then now we have this project, um, To I have a project to make an etude for contemporary technique and it's going to be I want to rethink the whole idea of what an etude is um, so I, I spent my lockdown actually looking back at all the etude books and playing lots of different etudes and thinking about what's helpful in terms of like getting to know your cello better or like building your technique or working musically and working on your musicality and how how etudes are best structured and this kind of thing and now it, it will come out um, maybe in six months or so like also a kind of electronic etude, it's called kaleidoscope etude, where you can, like a kaleidoscope, make a, a twist and then reconfigure re, uh, an etude um, oh, nice. according to your wishes. Or, oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so that, yeah, that should come soon. Fantastic. Yeah. And what's the next thing we explore on the cello after, after multiphonics? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> the overpressure thing, yeah? That's, oh, yeah, that's, that's, still, that's, that's something I think is still really open It still is, no? Question. I, I think composers often write as if they want to hear like a pitch and noise. Like, like you and can this, this, on this subharmonics, all these kind of things. Is that really explored? Well, that's one thing that's better on violins than cellos, because 
That's really sad. <laughs> Don't be happy. We don't have to do it. Yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> we have done a whole hour. It's great. Thank you very much. Yeah, Fantastic. For me, it was very interesting and lots of new thoughts. For me too. And let's let's work on a on a common platform. It's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.